You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we have a great show on tap for you today. We're going to talk about the Colts' emphatic win over the Detroit Lions. We're going to discuss takeaways, injuries, all name offensive and defensive players of the game. And we'll also talk on the impending trade deadline, uh, which is coming up very soon. But Mike, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, can't complain. It's my birthday today. And what better Happy gift birthday. than to thank you? What better gift than to talk some Colts football with the one and only Mike Chappell? Were you like 23? So, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. No, I turned the 27 today, 27, so creeping closer to 30, but we, we don't got to spend too much time on that. Um, we'll get to some news first before we get into the Colts here. Uh, Ravens all-pro left tackle Ronnie Stanley has been ruled out for the season with an ankle injury. Um, that's significant to Indianapolis because the Colts play the 5-2 and two Ravens this coming Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. You can watch that game on CBS four. It's currently scheduled for 1 PM. And I say currently because Baltimore's all pro cornerback, Marlon Humphrey tweeted out today that he tested positive for quote, the Rona as he called it. Um, so that game may, you know, we've seen a few games, the schedule change on those already this year. We'll see throughout the week, how um, Humphrey's positive COVID test and maybe potentially more in Baltimore could impact the Colts game this Sunday. Um, let's see. The Ravens said he immediately self-quarantined and is in the NFL protocol. Um, Baltimore is in the process of contact tracing right now. And uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on this as it moves along. Uh, more in COVID news, Green Bay. Adam Schefter reports that running back A.J. Dillon is out for this Thursday's game against the 49ers due to, quote, COVID protocols. Um, he said Dylan played Sunday and there have been concerns about his offensive teammates. So another situation to keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully um, the best case scenario would be Dylan is only only player with COVID there and we don't have to have too many schedule changes or players getting sick. Um, on to more news here. Tomorrow is a big day. Besides just the country deciding which elderly man will run the nation for the next four years. It's also the NFL trade deadline. Trades must be in by 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we've already seen some teams wheeling and dealing. The Jets traded linebacker Avery Williamson to the Steelers. 49ers traded linebacker Quan Alexander to the Saints. And the Chargers traded defensive back Desmond King to the Titans. Um, obviously, division rival Titans. This is interesting for Colts fans here. Uh, King made all pro as a cornerback and return specialist in 2018. Um, this season, he's earned a solid but unspectacular grade of 74 from Pro Football Focus. Tennessee hopes he's able to fill the hole left behind by uh, Logan Ryan, who left the team over the offseason as a free agent. Um, some other players whose names per reports have been on the trading block include basically all of the Texans wide receivers. Well, remember the first, the first one's already gone. Deandre Hopkins. They already shipped he, off the first one. He beat the crowd out the door. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And, uh, I think, uh, the Cardinals are pretty happy about that deal right now, but yeah, Will Fuller, Brandon cooks, who they also traded for in the off season, Kenny stills, Randall Cobb are basically all available. Uh, per reports, of course, Giants are shopping. Uh, wide receiver Golden Tate uh, is of note on the Giants roster. Uh, Cincinnati's wide receiver John Ross 
uh, wants to be traded as well. So we'll see if they uh, flip him. Former ninth overall pick has two catches this season. That's a seemingly moved away from him. Um, there's been rumblings that um, defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, could be up for sale in New England. Their season certainly is not going the way they had hoped. Washington edge defender, edge defender Ryan Kerrigan, Atlanta edge defender Takaris McKinley, and Cleveland tight end David Njoku are all more names to keep an eye on. So, Mike, I ask you, are the Colts in the trade market? Are they a team that might be targeting someone? Could they be shipping off a contract? What are your thoughts on that? I, w- I would always be a terrible general manager because I'd try to find somebody, and, and, and I wouldn't mind getting a receiver. Although a lot of these guys are available for a reason, so I certainly wouldn't give up much, you know, sixth or seventh pick at most. They seem to like their receivers. Ty may be out for a while with with this groin. Edge Patrick, I thought I would have said yes, but now with Tyquan Lewis coming on, I would say probably no. And Ballard's not made a trade at the deadline yet, uh, although he went against his own, you know, tendencies and, and shipped his first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. And as far as, as dumping, not say dumping players, but trading players, the only two that I would have thought about maybe a month ago was Tyquan Lewis, because I thought he had value. Not because I didn't like him, but he had value. And Jordan Wilkins. And wouldn't do those now. So I think they stand pat for a lot of reasons. They like their roster, uh, and and it's just hard. Maybe a receiver you can bring in and get him up to speed in a hurry, but I just don't think they want to upset whatever chemistry they have in this room right now. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I kind of side with you on that, Mike. Maybe a wide receiver if they can give up a probably no more than a fifth round pick for him. Um, especially because this year, I don't want to say it's an all-in season for the Colts, but when your quarterback's 38 years old, it kind of is. Your window's short, um, at least it appears to be. So I think maybe John Ross from Cincinnati is an interesting name. He would bring some speed to the offense. I mean, Cincinnati's not even using him, so I, I don't think they would ask much for his services. Um, maybe golden tate i don't know will fuller i just always think about him on the on the injury list so i kind of steer away from fuller but we'll see what happens i think a wide receiver might be uh the biggest position of need for the colts at this point in the season um moving on to the colts game recap uh the colts enter the game at four and two uh and then detroit enter the game winning three of their last four Colts got the ball first, and Jordan Wilkins was immediately involved. Second and eight, Wilkins caught a pass over the middle for 24-yard catch and run. But that would be about the it the Colts did on their first drive as a sack on third and 11 forced Indianapolis to punt. On defense, as opposed to the last couple of games, the Colts got off to a good start with a three and out on Detroit's first drive of the ball game. Uh, the Colts would then pick up a couple first downs on their next drive before stalling near midfield, bringing up a punt that would be blocked and recovered by the Lions at Indy's 32. Mike, special teams was not very sharp yesterday. I mean, block punts just aren't acceptable. And, you know, the, the guy got through the right side. I thought it was Okariki and Wilkins, I thought, kind of where he squeezed through. And you just about got your punter blown up on the play as well. And then missed a couple of the extra points. You're a guy. Uh, and I, 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 at least the first one, it was a, it looked like a bad snap. 
I thought Rigo did a pretty good job of getting the ball down, but uh, we had, the, the Colts went through these uh, missed pats last year and it cost them. So hopefully this is something that was just maybe a hiccup and they get it fixed pretty quick. Yeah, I hope so as well. The Lions would need just two plays to reach the end zone after the blocked punt. A 25-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Jones would give Detroit a 7 to nothing lead. The Colts, again, on their next drive, would pick up two first downs before having to punt around midfield. This time, the ball is down at Detroit's eight, and the Colts' defense forces another three and out. Indy returns the punt back to their own 39-yard line, and this is where Phillip Rivers really kind of turned it on. He had a 15-yard pass to Mo Alleycox, a 21-yard pass to Marcus Johnson, and then tossed a beautiful little floater to Naheem Hines, who caught it in stride and did the rest. He had bursts of speed, a spin, a dive into the end zone for a 22-yard touchdown. And the most impressive part was this kind of cartwheel that led into a spinning flip that he did in the end zone. Um, After the game, Olympic gymnast Simone Biles took to Twitter to call Hines Quote, so impressive. Um, he was not done yet, but that gave the Colts a touchdown, 7-7. Seven to seven. And, um, Mike, this is kind of the Naheem Hines that we've been expecting since he was drafted. It, it's always, how do you best use him? You best use him by getting him in space. And that's what they did. Let him use it. His, his track speed and his moves, the athleticism. So, yeah, really. And I don't know what was more impressive that, you know, running under the ball or, or, or the speed, the amazing spin to avoid the safety around the five-yard line, and then to do his gymnastics move in full pads. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really – that's pretty impressive. Uh, and, we, and we got a, an encore a little bit later on. So th- this is what you want with Naheem Hines. How best he, – he, he's not a 15-carry uh, a game running back. He's not. Uh, he, he's not Jordan Wilkins. But what he brings are those big plays, and when he does that, pretty impressive. And I think what's not to be lost on the play is the perfection of Philip Rivers' pass. I mean, he, he kind of floated it out there and hit him in a way that Naheem Kynes could be running almost full speed already up the field. Um, took a lot of trust as well from Hines to just blindly go after that ball because he could be lit up on a one, one like that. But um, – but no, that that just how the Colts drew it up on that play. Um, on defense, the Colts would force the Lions to punt after four plays. Taquan Lewis would pick up his first sack of the day on third down. Colts with the ball again. Indy drives down to Detroit's 34. And on third and four, Rivers is sacked. But wait, an unnecessary roughness penalty on defensive tackle Danny Shelton gave the Colts a fresh set of downs. Colts would go on to score a touchdown on a seven-yard pass to Jack Doyle. Mike, your thoughts on that penalty? You know, they kind of blew the whistle, and he still took him down afterwards. I've seen worse things not get called. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I saw someone said they drove him into the ground. I, 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 I've seen a lot worse driving into the ground. I'm not surprised they call it only because they're protecting quarterbacks almost to a fault. I, I, the, the fact that it was on rivers, you, you kind of, you accept it, but if that had been a, a Colts guy taking down Stafford, you would have, I think people have been raising heck over that. So I thought it was pretty questionable, but you take what you can get because we've seen a lot of calls go against these guys this year. That's true. Some are against you, some are for you and you take what you can get. 
All right. The Colts defense um, then put the clamps down on Detroit for another three and out, the third of the half, and then was finished off by a Danico Autry sack on third and 13. That would be kind of a reoccurring theme is third and longs in this game because the Colts defense is doing their job on first and second down. Uh, the Colts with the ball now starting the drive at the Lions 48 with a little under four minutes left in the half. And after a conversion on fourth and one, Rivers would hit Naheem Hines for another touchdown, a catch and run of 29 yards to the house. And this time he didn't quite stick the landing on as well on that touchdown flip, but it was still impressive nonetheless. Give him a five one. When you put your hand down to, to balance yourself, uh, the only thing, and, and this is the uh, old school, and you're always concerned about an injury on, on a on a celebration. I remember one that Gramatica blew out an ACL yeah. when he was cheering on on a field goal. So it's great to see these guys do it. Uh, and again, it it only lifts up the rest of your team, but. Uh, it just shows you this kid's athleticism. So I guess that it until you sprain it with it. Yeah, maybe maybe coach will tell him after the game. Let's let's slow down on all those flips here. We got some football to play. Um, after the touchdown, Rodrigo Blankenship would miss his first PAT of the game. It was the first point after that he missed all season. So he'd really been solid coming into the game in that aspect. Uh, with about a minute left, Matthew Stafford got to Detroit in the field goal range, but Prater would miss a 48-yard kick wide left. It's 20-7 to Colts at the half, and Colts fans have to be feeling pretty good about themselves, except for that missed BAT. To start the second half, Stafford orchestrated an eight-play, 68-yard drive, finished by a nine-yard carry-on Johnson touchdown reception, and Detroit is right back in it, 20-14. to the next three series, we go Colts three and out, Lions punt, and then another Colts three and out. So they're not coming out of the locker room very hot on offense. Detroit would have the ball now with a chance to take the lead. The Lions drive down to Indianapolis 25-yard line, and on third down, Stafford is sacked by a blitzing Darius Leonard who strips the ball, recovered by Justin Houston. The maniac is back to making plays that make a difference. And that's what he does. You know, it's, there's so much talk about, well, the energy he brings and how he, you know, we joke, he brings the juice. He brings playmaking. This, we've talked all about, he goes about having those handful of players that make plays that make a difference. And they've got not as many on offense. On defense, they've got three or four guys now that make, that make plays. And that's what swing games, he's got a knack for doing that. He said, if I get my hands on a quarterback, who's at 95% of the time, I should get the ball out of his hand, and the the, or the, the percentage isn't that high, but it's very, it just makes plays, sacks, interceptions, force fumbles, tackles for loss. That's why he's an all-pro linebacker. Absolutely, and the Colts would start the ensuing drive at their 40. They converted two third and longs to set up a touchdown. Uh, those were a third and nine. They hit Marcus Johnson for 18 yards. Third and 14, they go deep to Ashton Doolin, who doesn't come up with the ball, but he does get a pass interference call. 41 yards. The, yep. Would you, would you 41 say? Yard, 41 yard uh, penalty. So it's exactly ball. playing the T, TY role. There you go. Uh, getting the pass interference there, setting the Colts up at the four yard line. Uh, one yard third and goal run by Jordan Wilkins finishes the job. 
Wilkins would then get the two-point conversion as well. I believe the commentator on the broadcast called this an octopus. He got the eight points on that play. So I'm not sure I'll be calling it that for now on, but I thought that was interesting nonetheless. Spider? I don't, I don't know. It depends on what your your fetishes are. But, yeah, I'd never heard that before. Yeah, I had never heard that either, but I like it. Uh, it's 28-14 to 14, uh, after the two-point conversion. There's about 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter here. And on the first play of Detroit's next drive, Stafford would throw a pick six to Kenny Moore, who returned it 29 yards to the house. This essentially put the game out of reach. Blankenship would make the extra point 35 to 14 Colts. Um, the Lions did keep things sort of interesting. A 73-yard bomb to Marvin Hall when he got past the defense, um, set up a short Marvin Jones touchdown. 35 to 21 Colts with 12 minutes left, but the Colts would answer immediately 73 yard drive capped off by a two yard Trey Burton touchdown run from the wildcat formation. And I think Frank Wright likes this play call. It's funny. And it was a great, it's a great note. He's just the third tight end. Is it in league history or since 1970 to have rushing touchdowns in back-to-back games in the first uh, ever, because it was the first one since 1968. Uh, I want to see when he maybe changes up the run and throws the ball. He says there was no chance, zero chance of handing the ball off. So that's a tip off for the next time that he's not going to hand the ball off. But we're seeing a lot of uh, more creativity, I guess, because let's go back to Naheem Hines' uh, first touchdown. Watch the way they, they, they screen or they uh, design that play. He kind of comes in motion to the left, pivots, and then goes back out where he's pretty much all alone. So, when you can be that creative and get guys in positions to make big plays and the Wildcats will have big play, it just helps your offense all the way around. Oh yeah. You know, with the bye week, Frank apparently had some extra time to think about plays for this one. Um, down 20 with seven minutes left. Detroit would go on a 13 play drive, but turn it over on downs in the red zone. Colts were able to pick up a fir- couple first downs and in the game. Um, some takeaways from this one. We got the good Phillip Rivers again. Second game in a row, he completed 23 of 33 passes for 262 yards, three scores, completed passes to 11 different receivers. Uh, Mike, you noted on Twitter that Rivers in the second quarter in the last two games, Cincinnati and Detroit, is 23 of 32 for 371 yards, five touchdowns, um, and has nearly 150 quarterback rating that's six possessions six tds that second quarter is magic for philip rivers yeah it just show you when he gets in that that groove in that zone he's really plays at an elite level he's i believe he's i'm trying to uh completion percentages on the season it's got to be close to 68 percent he's 69.7 which which is a career high and when he's doing that and, and then spreading it to 11 guys, we, we talked to coaches today and right today. And the Colts are in a unique position to where they don't have a feature receiver. T.Y. hasn't gotten off, and now he's got the groin. So, you know, do you miss having the DeAndre Hopkins type guy to where you know where you're going? Yes, you do. But then you've got – how do you defend how – do, how do you game plan not knowing which guy is going to be the guy, Marcus Johnson? Uh you know, Mo- Mo- Moali Cox or whomever, Kyle Pasco. So 
having it like this to me is not ideal because I, I like to know who's my guy. Uh, but when you've got four or five guys, six guys that can come up with five or six catches in a game, it makes it tough to defend. It sure does. Colts was also efficient in critical situations in this one. They converted seven of 14 on third down, one for one on fourth down, three for three in the red zone. And after going two for eight in the red zone against Cleveland and Chicago, they're now seven and seven. Um, Mike, you mentioned in your article that it was a kind of a different one, one punch in the backfield for the Colts Sunday. Of course, that quote came from the off season, Frank Wright describing what was supposed to be a Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor combination. This game was way more Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. Wilkins led the backfield with career high 20 carries. His previous career high was 14 carries in his very first NFL game back in 2018. Um, Wilkins finished with 89 yards on the ground. That's a 4.5 yards per carry average. He had the touchdown, the two-point conversion, and the one catch for 24 yards. Hines also, you know, he led the team with in receiving with three catches for 54 yards and two highlight scores. Jordan Wilkins, though, just 22 yards on 11 carries, another nine yards on two catches. Um, Mike, I saw that Wright told you today, Taylor apparently picked up an ankle injury, but he said that didn't impact how he deployed his running backs. He said he learned about that after the game. So what are your thoughts here? You know, you look at the snap counts, 51% for Wilkins, 35 for Jonathan Taylor and 21 from Hines is just, just right riding the hot hand, or is this kind of a, okay, the rookie isn't getting it done. We're going to go with the veteran. Well, the rookie didn't get it done yesterday. He was, I think he was 10 for 22 in the first half. And, and then they really shifted focus to Wilkins. I, I, some guys were asking after the game, well, does this mean maybe Wilkins is your number, your starting running back going forward? I need to see it to believe it. I, I think Frank is the one who rides the hot hand. Although even Wilkins wasn't running the ball that well early. Uh, I just think it's one of those that, that I think Taylor's back in there. Uh, Sunday against the, Ra the Ravens. Now, if this thing extends to where two or three games where it's not getting done, but but up until Sunday, Taylor's yards per attempt rise, and he just he just wasn't getting enough carry. So I just think there's this. We talked in the off season, Colts fans who are in fantasy football. Good luck, because I don't know how you project, other than Blankenship. Who's going to be your guy every week? I just think it's going to be week to week. And again, I, I prefer to have, I like to know who my guys are. I, I grew up right with the Colts. I kind of grew up with Edron James was going to get 25 carries a game. Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. That's not the way this team is built now, especially with TY situation. So this is going to be week to week. I don't think we, we've seen a passing of the torch at running back at all. I expect to see back in there Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see a passing of the torch, but maybe kind of leaning more towards a committee approach. You know, the game against uh, Minnesota, Taylor had 20-some carries, I think almost 30 total touches. I don't think we're going to see that again unless he gets really, really hot because Wilkins is playing so well and Hines is playing so well, so you might as well use all three um, on the running game there. Well, one one thing to keep in mind, though, is is – as, as involved and, and featured as Wilkins was uh, Sunday, he was on the field for four snaps at Cincinnati. So, so it, it's, it, it would drive me crazy as a player, not knowing am I getting four plays or 40 plays. 
but that's the way these guys do it. So I would think that Wilkins stays involved, but 20 carries, I, I, I'm guessing at the end of the year, that's going to be a season high. Yeah. I think his career high 20 is going to remain his career Correct. high 20. Um, but, but I didn't, you know, the, it's discouraging if you're rooting for Taylor specifically as a Colts fan in general, it's good to see other players step up and make some plays as well. Um, on the other side of the ball. Now the defense was dominant. Again, they sacked Stafford five times, uh, two by Autry, two by Lewis. Mike, I saw you noted on Fox 59 and CBS 4 indycom that the last time the Colts had two players with two sacks in the same game was Dwight Freeney and Raheem Block Brock in week 13 of 2004. So it's been a while, but um, the the two, Lewis and Autry, you know, and you kind of mentioned Lewis was a player. This was a big year from him, and he's playing well recently. And again, it's always about uh, Eberflus says you play when you practice. And Lewis has had some injury issues the last uh, two years. He's healthy. He's got his head together. He told us he had some confidence issues last year, and he worked on that. And he's earning additional snaps. We were told during the bye week that Lewis is a guy that would get more snaps. And the way you do it is to earn on the practice field. And the way you continue to get it is to do it in a game. And that's what he's doing. It certainly is. And then Darius Leonard is also back to his old self. Nine total tackles, two for a loss. He had the sack fumble. Kenny Moore also had a terrific day. Three tackles, two passes defended in the pick six. It's the first pick six of Moore's career and the third by the Colts this season. So they have a defense that's putting points up on the board as well. Not something Colts fans are used to throughout the team's past, you know, 10 to 20 years or so, but I think we're all happy to see it. Um, That group held the Lions to just 29 yards rushing on 13 attempts. Detroit clearly just gave up rushing the football after a while. They weren't even trying to establish that anymore. Um, they were more, you know, having more success with Stafford through the air, relatively at least. Uh, the Colts are currently second behind Tampa Bay, who plays tonight in rushing yards allowed per game with just a hair under 80 and in yards per carry. Um, they're giving up just 3.4 yards per pop. Uh, Colts players, you know, they're talking about, quote, earning the right to pass, uh, to rush the passer um, by stopping the run. And that's what they did Sunday. And again, they held them to 29 yards rushing, which is impressive. Even more so, Peterson and Swift had 11 carries for eight yards. 21 yards was from, uh, was it 10 yards for Stafford and 11 yards from Agnew on the end of round. So, uh, so we'll talk more about this on Thursday, but you're going to have the number one run defense uh, without question going against the number one rush game with the Ravens. It's going to be big on big. I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, run defense holds up against a really legit number one run offense. Yeah, and, you know, we saw the Ravens fall to the Steelers this week, and Steelers are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Ravens are legit. It's really the first big test for this Colts team this year. So we'll have to see how that goes, and we'll talk about that with Dave Griffiths on Thursday. Um, Any other takeaways for this game before we move on, Mike? No, again, it was just a. You talked, they got the good Phillip Rivers. As long as they get the good Phillip Rivers, this is a good team. You know, I, I, again, you're not going to get 350 yards and three or four touchdowns a game. You don't really need that. But as long as he takes care of the ball, completes what he's completing, 
gets on that little surge each game where he, he's really hot and, and strings together some, some productive drives and his defense plays well, this is a legit team. Now we're going to see over these next four games with Baltimore, Tennessee twice in green Bay, all of a sudden green Bay looks gettable. Don't they? I mean, yeah, they got it, Dalvin cooked on Sunday. Right. It's it's, a, it's on playmakers. This league's about playmakers. Uh, so again, but again, we're going to know a whole lot about this team on Sunday. All the focus is going to be on the Ravers and Lamar Jackson. And I'm not sure nationally people have bought into the Colts yet. I, I really don't think they have. This is a game where you can really not only set yourself up for what's to come, but maybe open people's eyes about how good this team might be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about quarterbacks, no two different quarterback styles in Phillip Rivers and Lamar Jackson on the other end. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Um, a few injuries we had mentioned to you. Why Hilton left with a groin injury. He had just two catches for nine yards on the day. We'll have to see how long that keeps him out. Now, Rocky Sin left late in the fourth quarter after taking a friendly fire hit to the head and neck area. Um, Frank Wright said Monday that he cleared concussion protocol, so all good on that front. Uh, wide receiver Ashton Doolin left with what appeared to be a knee injury. Mike, do we have any updates on that? Yeah, Frank just said it was a knee issue, and they'll monitor it, which means I, I, I get the impression it's not as what it could be. He, he, we talked to him today before we met with the medical staff. Uh, we'll find out more on, on Wednesday. But Doolin's a guy, again, we talked about, he's a nice little gadget guy. Gives you speed down the field. It would be a loss uh, for however many games if he's out. Yeah, yeah, surely would. Um, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor's ankle issue didn't seem too serious, but we'll have to keep an eye on that as well. And we'll have more info on these injuries and uh, other notifications throughout the week on at, on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. So be sure to follow us for the latest info on that. Okay, Mike, it's time for offensive and defensive players of the game. I'll let you start with the offense. Who are you going with? A lot of possibilities. I'm going to go with Naheem Hines. Uh, I, 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 just, I like what he brought. I, I, the, the big plays when they need them in the second quarter. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with his gymnastic flips. Although those, those were pretty pretty cool. I just think he, what he brought with the big and getting him scoring when they needed it. I'm going Naheem, but I, I could have gone with Wilkins or I could have gone with Rivers. Yeah, those are clearly the top three. If you're taking Naheem, I guess I'll go with Wilkins. I thought what he was able to do was key for the Colts, especially in the fourth quarter as they're trying to run a little bit. He had some good runs to help them put that game away. Um, I'll go first here on defense. Defensive player of the game. I guess I'll go with this is also a tough one because there's several candidates. You know, Autry, Lewis had the two sacks, Kenny Moore with the pick six. I'm going to go with Darius Leonard. Um, this defense really had the juice today, as we say, nine tackles. He had the, you know, strip sack when Detroit looked like they were getting into scoring territory. So I'll go with Leonard. Well, since you go with Kenny Moore, uh, when we talked to Rivers yesterday, he said there was a lot of game to so 13 minutes on the pick six but he said that go the game for us because it's into the probably not going to come back to territory from 28 to 14 to 35 14 and what was cool about that is i really think stafford mid-read the defense i think he thought it was going to be man-to-man and he thought more was going to go follow the slot guy across the middle 
and more just drop back in. It's going to be one of the easiest pick sixes he will ever have. Uh, I like I like what Kenny Moore did. I like the separation it gave him at the game. Yeah, like you said, it's all about those big plays, and he certainly made one. Um, looking now to the AFC South, that was a good day for the Colts because the Tennessee Titans lost to the Bengals. Um, so now both teams are five and two. Tennessee does still technically have the tiebreaker because they're two and zero in the division. Um, you know, moving on, the Texans and Jaguars are just one and six. They were on bias this week, uh, but they certainly don't look like they're going to be challengers for the division champions there. Um, that'll do us do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can help us out by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. Um, again, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 And be sure to download and subscribe the podcast so that it goes straight to your listening device week after week. We'll have a great show on Thursday where Dave will come in and we'll preview their important matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. So thanks for listening, Colts fans, and enjoy Victory Monday. <laughs> <laughs>